And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. Win you with your good friend Tim. It's 77 minutes in heaven. Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that will record, even if it's iced out everywhere. Um, only team that will fly to Dallas. That's a weird one, that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to fly in the day of because they can't make it into DFW. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm Tim Cato. I'm ready to talk about the Mavericks. We've got Mike Pellucci. We've got Austin Gurria. We're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Big shocker, I know. The only podcast that's talking about the trade deadline. The only podcast that cares about the trade deadline in Dallas. The yes. only one. The only one. And mm-hmm. I think I think we're going to kind of start from an inside-out approach and talk about the Mavericks, who they have on their roster, what it would take to trade them, the value that they have in the market, and more specifically, like what we view their value being on a championship team. Because I think that's a lot of where this comes from, right? You know, like just just to start very big picture. The Mavericks, when they're looking at their role players, the number one thing they should be assessing is, could we imagine this player having a role? And maybe especially, could they be having a role within the context of what they're getting paid, what their salary is, on a team, on the team that they're envisioning trying to build as they move to towards the NBA Finals, as they move towards title contention. And I think there's a fair number of players on this team that probably don't have roles as, as we go forward. Which is a large part of the problem. That's why that informs a large part of why this deadline is as frustrating as it is, why we have the talks that we have. It's that there are guys who are in this rotation right now either wouldn't be or would play dramatically reduced roles in an ideal situation. Yeah, and and, you know, it was three three years ago that I probably said this, but the the idea that if you could bump every Mavericks player back two spots and the, Uh you know, hypothetical rotation that would fix so much. There's a lot of players who should be the fifth best player on a team, uh, but they're the third. Seventh best player on a team, but they're the fifth. Uh, so on and so on. You know, they have a lot of a lot of guys that could be very good fourth to eighth players on a championship team. Yes. Uh, they don't have the second best player on the championship team. They don't have the third best player on the championship team. Where does Spencer Dinwiddie fall for you guys in terms of how likely is he to stay through this deadline? be traded at a future point or could you see him being someone part of a hypothetical championship roster uh if and when the mavericks get there i mean i think he could be a part of the championship roster as long as he's not having to play 40 minutes a night you know i think we saw a lot the role that he had last year i think was a perfect role for him just a third guard off the bench who can do a lot of heavy playmaking for you if you need it but you're not reliant on him and he can supplement he can play off the ball and he's a bigger guard um, it's just he, he just he just shouldn't be your second 
scorer in your offense when you're trying to win a championship. But I think he has the main role here. And honestly, he's not going to get traded unless they upgrade at point guard because they desperately need what he does. So it's pretty, I think he has good trade value, but it's going to be hard to trade him without getting another ball handler. Yeah, the only deal that he would be involved in is a deal for a objective second star ball handler um you know that the mavericks are bringing here i i there's there's no other way that you know he would even be considered to be moved yeah i think i think that hits the nail on the head he's due 18 million next year i think it's a pretty fair number for what he provides you know if he's the first guard off the bench ideally does a lot of things for you um as it is microcosm the whole situation being stretched to play 40 minutes a night second ball handler in the starting lineup crucial cog probably not what you want spencer dimity to be he had a great role until Jalen Brunson left. If only there was something. If only there was something the Mavericks could have done about this. Mike, where are you on Christian Wood? Because you've uh, you've been the leading proponent that the Mavericks are a not going to do anything, uh, nope. probably with him, and b probably going to let him walk. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll let me let me couch the second statement slightly. I feel like they will not necessarily go at it in in a way of saying, we don't want you back. I think they will want Christian Wood back. I just think what they will want and what Woods can't might want will not overlap in the summer. And I think the chances of them moving it before next week with that finger injury are out the window. So yeah, I think this is going to play out that way in terms of what you want him to be. I mean, look, I think it's very instructive. And Star Franco wrote about this for us at D a few weeks ago, kind of just about the whole Woods situation and what the salary number is and, it's, I think, ideally, would if you, you're paying him more than 20 a year, that's when the problems start. And if you look at what type of archetype that compares to, uh, you're in the John Collins zone. And John Collins, a few years ago, was a guy that I feel like everybody was thinking, how could we get John Collins to Dallas? How could you? Well, guess what? Christian Wood's been more productive and he makes a lot less money right now. And Atlanta would love to move John Collins, right? The latest wave of stuff is, I mean, think about this. If you heard two years ago, Atlanta was like, no, you don't even need to give us a one anymore. Just we're willing to talk. Well, that's where they are now with him. And so what is John Collins doing there? One, he's making 25 a year, which I'm sure is what Christian Woods camp wants him to make. But Atlanta needs him out the door. And two, John Collins is about fourth in minutes right now in Atlanta. Having a bad year, right? This is not a typical John Collins year, but I do think Christian Wood, ideally for this team, is probably your fourth guy, making about 20 at the high end. Now, granted, you know, the cap can go up, things can change. But I think ideally he's the 20, you know, he's the fourth guy on your team. Offensively, he's probably, I, I buy that he could be a third option on a functioning offense, given what he could do. But because of his defense limitations, you're basically kind of splitting a difference of if, if he's their third best scorer, but he's probably your fifth best defender in your starting lineup, fourth guy. So that's what I think he should be do i think that's what his camp will value him as no and that's where it's going to get really interesting because as you got you and dave talked about in the last show uh i don't know who's banging down the door to get him for probably what he wants monetarily and role wise and so that's why it's going to get interesting i really don't think you know and you could correct me if I'm wrong here i don't think dallas is going to tell christian what to kick rocks right all the reporting is that they no. want to talk deal with him it's just they want to deal on their terms and it really will come down to you know, what is the reality check here? Because I don't think this is a situation where they're wrong in how they're valuing him. And I I just wonder if there's that one team out there. And I really think it might just be one team, that one team that says the Christian Wood mystery box can be anything, even a boat, screw it, let's pay what he wants. 
And then all of a sudden you have a discourse of, oh, well, Dallas did value right. Well, no, I think it's maybe just Dallas is probably in the majority of what teams want to do with them. And is there that one team that they can find to give him what he wants? Because it only takes one. And and that's that's interesting because I, I think that there is a question about how if the Mavericks don't extend him, don't trade him, and he walks the summer, it's going to be seen as bad asset management. Right. It's going to be seen as a mistake. It's going to be compared to the Jalen Brunson, Brunson situation. It's very different than Jalen Brunson. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm very hesitant to go all out. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong for trading for Christian Wood for what they did to take the swing on him. I kind of think that there's nothing wrong with saying if his trade value is the same, which is more or less the same. I'm not certain that the Mavericks getting back a late first round pick with some protections on it. And bringing in some players, a lot of it would depend on the players they're able to get. If, if they're able to get players, you know, like salary from other teams that they might find more value in that than that other team would. Yeah. That's that's interesting to me. That's that's when I start looking at trades and thinking about, OK, maybe maybe they should execute a trade and grab an asset in return. But Christian Wood does have value the rest of the season, and he has value at expense of a very bad Mavs roster. And if he does not have value in terms of bringing back a lot if they traded him now what value he has the rest of the season even if this is not a title contending year it is a year that you still have to be fairly successful and make sure that Luca isn't totally completely frustrated with the, the situation around him and and that does make me wonder that just 30 30 ish more games of Christian Wood that allows them to play to finish the season as a competent playoff team even if he walks at the end of that is there more value than that than getting a you know low level asset uh, of a late first round pick and maybe some players that you do or do not want? I, right, I think that's a question, right? I, I think I would rather take the asset. I don't because I mm. at the end of the day don't value don't value Christian Wood on a championship team. I think his best role on a team that's going to the finals is maybe Bobby Portis's role in Milwaukee. I just don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you trust to play 30 minutes in an important playoff series because bigs who can't defend, they just, they get destroyed. They get targeted they get targeted over and over and over again. And I really just don't trust him to defend in a playoff series. And if I don't trust you to defend in a playoff series, I'd rather get the assets that they can put together more picks for whoever they need to trade for in the summer. And this team really doesn't need assets. They need additional assets to go trade because other teams have more assets than they do. And I think that's that's the prudent way. The thing that if you want to do it from like a very high perspective and just want to have a nice broad view at it, you can do that. But you still have to go to work with Luka Doncic every day and yeah. have to deal with his personality and deal with him if they're if you're losing and deal with him being in a, a surly mood if they're losing. So it's a, it's a really tricky proposition. But I think the prudent move is to trade him for a first round pick if you can get that. I tend to err on the side of where Tim is going of the reality is, especially in a year like this, the reality is just what makes Luca happy and doesn't cause you to do something reckless a la the old Anthony Davis in New Orleans situation. And if keeping Christian Wood makes Luca a little happier, it does help your projections of the season. I also think there's a potential long-term play of who's to say if Dallas, because again, they want it back at the right price. Who's to say if, like, if the longer this drags on, the more Christian Wood gets integrated? Because the first six weeks of the season, it was constant tug of war, right? We were all there. Is he playing? Is he not playing? What's his role? What's not his role? 
he just started hitting his stride before he got hurt, which is the frustrating part. But if he comes back and he keeps that momentum going and he becomes a piece of this thing, yeah, it ostensibly increases the chance that he prices himself out. But it also could go in the other direction of, hey, I like being here. Maybe this is a good situation for me. I've been on seven NBA teams. Maybe this isn't the offer I want. But if I'm succeeding here and I like this environment, maybe I'll stick around over the summer. And he's more inclined to take a deal that suits Dallas's perspective as much as his own interests. It's in play. I don't think we can necessarily rule that out. The long and the short of it, though, is I don't see a world in which do you, I mean, do either of you guys see a team actually trading a late one for Christian Wood? Are we imagining that happens? I don't think that happens in the next 10 days. I would be shocked if that happened. It's tough because the high end teams are want him in a role that he is not filling and are hesitant to trade for a player who like you said, Austin is probably more of a Bobby Portis player on a team of that level. Whereas the teams that are really bottoming out are teams that are not wanting to trade for him as a foundational player and deal with the upcoming uh, unrestricted free agency that he's about to enter. And so really what you're looking for is kind of teams in the middle who think, oh, maybe he can do better on our team than he's doing on Dallas, except that Dallas has Luka Doncic. And Pretty much no player does better without Luka Doncic than they do with Luka Doncic. Um, this is actually something that applies to everybody on their roster. That there is a <laughs> there is a uh, there is a, Le- uh, a LeBron James like effect where every single player in Dallas is set up as well as they can be at in in, in the specific context. If you're a limited player in terms of you need somebody to create for you, Luka Doncic is going to make you better, and that's right. a tricky place to be. Yeah, so given that, nobody's I don't buy anybody trading him one for him, which means your best asset management isn't trading him realistically. Your best asset management is keeping him, hoping it helps you get to the playoffs, keeps looking a little happier, and creates an environment where, you know, ideally you like Christian Wood, you keep wanting to have him around, and he agrees and thinks this is a good marriage for him and comes back at a reasonable deal. That's your realistically your best asset management with Wood, counterintuitive as it is. It's rolling the dice and hoping that you get to the summer and the floor is he helps you get to the playoffs and the ceiling is, all right, we found a way to make this work at a number that makes sense for all of us. Let's keep him around and do it. I, I can think of one team that would trade for Wood. I think OKC would take the dice, use one of their many, many first round picks that they have. That they can't use all of them and they can make a push for the playoffs because they don't have Chet Holgram this year. They can assess Wood and he just is pretty much additive to what they're doing there. Gives more space to Shea Alexander. And they, I think they want to make the playoffs this year. I think they want to, because they're already, they've won too many games to tank. And so I think that's one team that could possibly trade a first round pick. But if you can't get a first round pick, then I think, yeah, it's better to keep him and try to integrate him in what we're doing here. Yeah, that's fair enough. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk Dorian Finney-Smith, who's been in Trade Talks. And first off, let's let's start here. Do you agree that he is, in some ways, the Mavs' best asset? Again, I, I try to find words other than asset. I mean, I hate talking about players and people in, in financial terms. But, you know, in terms of uh, his desirability around the league for the other 29 teams, but maybe specifically for the top teams, which... I think to some degree, those are the teams you're trying to trade with. Those are the teams that are willing to part, you know, that have more good players that and are more willing to part with them. You're not trading with the bottom of the league and getting young stars because they're not giving up any of those type players. Is that the, the best player Dallas has that, that is appealing to, to teams like that? I think he's first, but he honestly, Josh Green might have more value just because he's on a rookie deal. He has a little more yeah. upside. He's only he's still 22. Um, but for teams that want to win right now and guys that you want to trust, I mean, Dorian is going to make every single contender that much better, and you're going to be able to play him 25, 30 minutes in a playoff series. So I think he brings a lot of value. I think he's honestly a guy that you might have to ask for two first-round picks. It's, it's just oh. not, yeah. And I, that's, I, and that's the yeah. question. Robert Covington just got two. Yeah, you know, I, a couple years ago, he's a better player than Robert Covington. Robert Covington is a great help defender. He doesn't do what Dorian could do as a man defender. And Even here's the Dorian's question. reputation isn't quite necessarily what he really brings. And here's the question: I I wouldn't trade Dorian Finney-Smith this deadline. Uh, you know, two first round picks would make me think. I I don't I don't think that's the right move. I, you know, if the Mavericks make it to the trade deadline, they all of a sudden have four, you know, four first rounders to trade, and theirs are not as valuable as perhaps some other teams would be but if you're trading with a playoff contender that team's first round picks aren't necessarily going to be valuable either it it's it's always hard, hard to talk about these things because you know like a team like i don't know the off the top of my head i'm trying to think of a you know but there are there are playoff contenders that have picks that are not their own and that have a lot more value than you know a 2025 a 2025 pick of the nuggets but I, the, the the question is is a two first round offer only a symptom of the inflated trade market that's going to reduce in value and, and reduce in um you know it's it's going to turn away from being a seller's market you know like it is now and the Mavericks should capitalize on that only to maximize what they get back for him because at some point they're going to trade him anyway like that's basically the argument of why right now you might trade Dorian Finney-Smith um for a couple draft picks um, even if he's not involved in the next deal per se, the I, next I, big deal that the Mavericks are building to, to. I mean, I guess he would have that valuation only because he's on a really good contract and he's under contract for the next three years. 
And what he does is just very valuable. It's very hard. Teams are always looking for that. Um, so it's basically just cornering teams for a market, especially those contending teams who are like, we don't need these extra second, these first round picks because we're not going to be able to find a player as good as Dorian during our window to win a title. Um, even if a team like Phoenix, for example. But again, do you want to trade Luca's favorite teammate for two first round picks that you may never see? And just in the hopes that you're going to trade for something better. And I think also the problem with trading Dorian is that now you have a Dorian sized hole in your rotation that you yeah. also fill on top of yeah. trading for your new star. So you, you, you've created another problem, even though you have more assets. Now you have another bigger problem on your roster. And you don't, you right. don't know what the big trade's going to be. You don't yeah. know which player you're going to trade for and thus what team you're going to be trading with. You don't know what they want. If they want first round picks, you can go trade Dorian Finney-Smith to another team and get picks back or make it a three-team deal. There are ways that you can go get more picks if this team ends up needing more picks for the future, you know, quote-unquote, big deal. But what if they want Dorian Finney-Smith and you've already already traded him away for first-round picks? Like, that's, that's why I'm very hesitant to, you know, even if the market might be slightly inflated, um, although I think everybody's saying that the market is, is uh, inflated right now is already bringing the market back down in terms of first round picks and, you know, especially looking at Minnesota and how poorly that worked. Like, I think that market's already coming back down to a degree, but that's why I, I just don't think it's, it's worth trying to predict the need for future assets in this manner uh, and to, you know, try to f- forecast it rather than just hang on to a very good player who's very important to this team right now, who might be very important to a deal at a future point, or who might just be a very important part of the team that you end up building because Dorian Finney-Smith still isn't 30 yet. You know, like he's got years left in him being a good basketball player. And I just don't think there's any urgency or any need to really broach that topic. Yeah, the minute the difference between Christian Wood and Dorian Finney-Smith is Christian Wood is a nice to have. But you could build a championship without Christian Wood. You could argue that it'd be easier to build a championship without Christian Wood in some ways. Dorian Finney-Smith, the minute you trade him, you're looking for the next Dorian Finney-Smith. So you better upgrade your roster tangibly to make that happen, right? If this is the big star deal, then sure, you you do that because that brings you an all-star caliber player, you know, ostensibly Dorian and picks or whatever. Trading Dorian just to trade Dorian, I agree with Tim. Like one, I think just in general, he's, again, this is a gross way to describe it because we're talking about a person, but I feel like he's an incredibly liquid, fluid asset, right? Like you can... Either you flip for picks or somebody will want him. It's not something that you will ever have a trouble. You, know, you, you will never find a shortage of takers for Dorian Finney-Smith for what he does on the contract that he has and the things he brings to the table. So maybe the market is tightening a little bit, but I don't think that necessarily means his overall utility as a player, either on your team or for somebody else, is going anywhere. So to me, that's you keep him. And... You really, unless, you know, it, it was interesting that those Utah rumors came about. Like, I I don't think, I'm not buying for a second. I don't think anybody else is that a straight swap from Elite Beasley is on the table. What I do think that Dallas maybe thinks about is, okay, well, are we getting a one and a, another starter somewhere else, right? Is it a pick and a player who we could point to and say, this guy doesn't do what Dorian does, but he helps our lineup in some way and we get a draft asset. That's the sort of thing that, you know, in a, in a two for one deal, maybe Dallas thinks about that. I don't think you look to do it, but if it's a pick and a player, that that might be the the thing that makes them raise an eyebrow. Yeah, I I think the jazz rumors were just Danny Ainge shenanigans. Just Danny Ainge <laughs> just trying just just putting a rumor out there just to see if he could pry Durin out of out of Dallas. I don't think they're trading to to, to the Jazz. I it, 
I'd be, but I do think it's a sort of team that they have a bunch of young players and they have a bunch of picks. And if it's a one plus one type deal, you could concoct some scenario. The part that was clearly a bunch of crap was trading for Malik Beasley. That's oh yeah, yeah. We agree that Josh Green is probably the most you know valued player outside of Luca on the roster. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Look, look where we are now. What a what a time to be alive. (laughs) Part of it is due to Luca, I think. And but, part of it's due to, the, to everything else that's gone wrong around Luca, right? Josh Green should yes. not be your second most viable trade ship. Correct. But Those are both absolutely correct. That said, right, you know, I, uh, I I saw on Twitter, and I forget who it was, but someone was talking about how um, just they were, on a, they were on a Pistons fan board, and some Pistons fans were just ripping Sadiq Bay, And one of them was like, man, that Josh Green, that's what we need right now there <laughs> I saw that. and and uh you know and, and look and my, my reaction to this was their first year that clipper series if you have sadiq bay i think dallas wins that clipper series it was such a tight series that one more capable shooter who could hold his own defensively that that might have been enough to win it but after that today you're taking josh green every time like the upside for sadiq bay is not what the upside is for josh green now we're not going to talk about des bane we're not going to do that but between the two guys or Tyrese Maxey. But Tyrese, here's the thing. I, they were so locked into taking a wing that night. I don't think it's fair to kill them on Tyrese Maxey. You got to remember, Luca's there. Jalen Brunson is still there. I don't Seth think Curry they're... was still there, I think. Seth, no, that was like they traded him for Richardson, right? Oh, but yeah. like going into the night, you still had Seth. I just don't think, given their hole in the wing, I don't think it's fair to kill them and be like, oh, they should have taken Tyrese Maxey. They, they, they traded Seth Curry that night or the, the day before, I they, think. No, it was it was that night. I thought, wasn't it? It was that. Maybe night it was that night. Yeah, I thought it was. It all happened that night. The the fall of Bob. That's right. That's uh, right. Yeah, it did. It did happen during the night. Yeah. But to to Bob's credit, Bob took Josh Green, and in the long run, Bob is right. Um. So yeah, Josh Green should not be the the second most valuable trade piece. But we've gotten to a world where everybody who is killing them for not taking Sadiq Bay, well, guess what? Josh Green was the right call, and that's a good thing. That's a developmental success, right? Like, however frustrating some of the last two years have been the development of josh green is just one of the biggest bright spots you could possibly have where do same conversation but Jaden hardy i and I, I bring this up because i've i've had people asking me you know like i did a mailbag uh recently and one of the questions was like you know what players could you see on the roster next year and it was luca josh green and Jaden hardy yes in the sense that Jaden hardy hasn't proven anything and thus is not really sought out around the league right now but no, in the context of like, if, if, especially if he plays a little bit more down the stretch and teams view him as some, some, like a player to actually, you know, boost a trade proposal that the Mavericks might be making uh, over the summer or, or, you know, near next deadline. You know, I don't think he's moved this deadline, to be clear. Uh, absolutely. Like, like he is the idea that they have a semi interesting fringe prospect that could become just a semi interesting prospect. That's important to the roster, but it's also important to the team building that they're trying to do, um, you know, as they go forward. That's what that's what I wrote that night, actually, was basically just the Jaden Hardy. You're not even necessarily the whole point of getting that player there, as opposed to when you buy an early second round, there are safer rotation type guys that you can get. Right. Jaden Hardy wasn't that. And Jaden Hardy wasn't a guy who fit their timeline, quote unquote. But the, the appeal was one of two things. One, when you've. You don't have enough assets. You certainly are not going to have early draft picks anytime soon as long as Lucas here. You need to take a shot at ceiling and Jaden Hardy provided ceiling. 
And what that ceiling gets you is two things. It's one, it's either, hey, maybe we luck into a really high-end talent that we wouldn't get otherwise. Or, as you said, Tim, that's the trade ship, right? If you're sitting here going, well, why would anybody want those late ones that Dallas has just on their own? Well, that's where it's, oh, here's some first-rounders and Jaden Hardy in a deal. And that is what might get people raising some eyebrows. So I, I, do you look to trade him? Not per se. I think you look to ideally develop him. Because if he develops what you think he can be, that he does, in a post-Jalen Brunson world, give you some things you don't really have in your roster. That said, that's absolutely a guy. If somebody calls me tomorrow and says, I want Josh Green, the answer, you know, whatever you're offering in return better be really raising the top three of this roster as part of that deal. If somebody calls me, ask about Jaden Hardy in a deal, I'm saying, okay, now, now we can talk about something depending on what that that deal is. Yeah, and I think he's... I think he's more valuable than trading out a second round pick. I'm not sure he's, if he's as valuable as trading out a first round pick, but I think he's someone you can add to a trade to make it work. If you're on, if you're just negotiating and you're on the edge and you're close to making a deal, I think he's additive to a trade, but he's still not something that you could center around, like center a trade package around. And I think he's still more valuable to the Mavericks than he is to trade out. I think keeping him here, developing here, one, one thing, Kid and his staff have done really well in their time here is develop young players. And if you, I don't think he's also produced enough in his rookie year yet to really pique the interest of most teams. And so I think keeping him and developing him is probably the better route to go. But I do agree he's he's additive. He'd be additive to any kind of trade package for an opposing team. I'm very interested in his development in the long haul because not even necessarily just for what he does on the court, but if they do turn him into a player in his second or third year no matter what they do with him right if this follows the Jalen Brunson and now Josh Green trajectory of by year three this guy looks like something it might actually be time at that point to start reconsidering the Mavericks can't draft narrative because in addition to getting Luka you have then taken three guys in one being a late first rounder in Josh Green and two being two early second rounders in Jalen Brunson and Jaden Hardy and turn them to good players that's not a bad, that's not an elite drafting team, but given the assets you're working with, that's not a bad drafting team anymore. So that's that for me is something I'll be keeping an eye on going forward. So really, we're just waiting for the summer of what, um, 2025, when the Mavericks let Jaden Hardy walk for nothing? Oh, please. <laughs> They've got match. No, 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 no. They got the restricted free agent match rights because they, they learned from the Jalen Brunson. <laughs> they learned from the Jalen Brunson original sin, right? Like the tired wired. The tired is they should have paid him max money. The wired is they fucked up by not structuring it so you restricted match rights because you just wanted to save a tiny bit of coin that's the jalen brunson mistake that nobody really talks about they used uh part of the mle the rest that they gave to javel mcgee <laughs> love that well, that's all correct losing, guys yeah. so the place to end this is are there any other players on the mavericks roster who have any additive value that other teams in the league are interested in and this is kind of the crux of the thing is that i don't think there are reggie bullock maybe a little bit at this deadline but not much there's not a lot of players. There's not a lot of teams out there that are aggressively trying to get um, Reggie Bullock on their roster. Tim Hardaway Jr. He has added a value because he has a nice salary and certainly some value on the court. But I, I think in some future trade, most of his value is going to be the salary matching um, and the idea that the Mavericks can you know try at a different sort of role player of similar stature. Outside of that, um, Maxi Kleba, I don't think has a lot of trade value around the league, but does have a lot of value to the Mavericks. Maybe I'm wrong that about that. I disagree. I disagree. I feel like Maxi yeah. has a lot of trade value. Maxi hit eight threes in a playoff game last year and and defended for like 30 minutes a game. 
and can switch under the light. He's a really good But he's good old and he's he's past 30 now and he's consistently got injured. Uh, but he's only making 10 million a year for the next if I was a contender, I would give up a late first for him very very easily. I, a late first for Maxi is like I would do that just without even thinking about it. If I was uh, if I was the Grizzlies, if I was if I were the Pelicans specifically, I, there's a lot of like why just ideas. just solely so that he he can't guard Zion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're both right. I think Austin's right that a contender would and could and should trade a late one for him. But I'm with Tim, and this is gonna be my point. You know, I was gonna bring up Maxi. There is no player that has a bigger goal of value to Dallas and value on the open market. I think Dallas values him immensely. And I think, yeah, maybe you get that late one for him, but I, I think they I don't think I don't know if they would take that, to be honest. I, I think they value him in such a way and he brings so many unique things and he fills so many holes that none of their other bigs can do that I just can't see a world in which they would want to part with him in a hurry. I think they this is where really I'm at. Like something. This is why I said that is that when a player is on your roster, you grade them and look at them for what they can do and have done before. And we've seen Maxi at his best unlock versions of this team that are not replicable without his presence and without him playing like that. Whereas a team trading for him and having to provide a valuation of what they're going to concede and give back in return for this player, they have to take in the whole picture. And the whole picture is a player past 30 who has consistently got injured, who often has a jump shot come and go. And that brings down his value, which makes him in turn more valuable to the Mavericks because he is here and he has a chance to be, you know, this highest version, highest ceiling version of himself. Um, and I think that's where the disparity comes in. Yeah, I agree with that. Anybody else? Because I, I, most of the rest of the team is just, you know, Dwight Powell on an expiring contract. You know, it's um, Davis Bertans on a on a bloated contract. These are these are not players, unfortunately, that that you know other teams are are looking for or seeking out, and that's why. And me and Austin talked about this a little bit last week, where you want to think the Mavericks are going to get to the summer and have all their first round picks. And then, then they can finally make the big deal. And then you remember how many other teams have all of these assets, all of these first round picks, not just their own, but they have like 30 of them, you know, like they own like, like one third of, there's like three teams that earn, own a quarter of the league's first round picks. And these are teams that are also going to be dealers. And there's going to be teams that have drafted more recently. And so even, you know, and, and thus have more young prospects, even if they're not bona fide, you know, Clippers trading Shada OKC situations, there's still young players who their potential uh, still exists and thus has not depreciated their value of what they could be. And it's just, it's very unlikely that the Mavericks, you know, are going to turn some first round picks and everything else they have into star 1B, 1B or even star 2A for this team. And so really wrapping your head around the idea that they're going to make, you know, meaningful trades, but perhaps not going to get the, you know, the second guy is probably the most realistic way to look at it. I think whatever it's going to be, it's going to be the modern version of the Tyson Chandler trade where you're going to have to take some element of risk on and you're going to have to bet that you can make this work. And Nobody thought Tyson Chandler would be what Tyson Chandler became. Hell, even Sean Marion, when they got him, was a little bit of a discounted asset relative to the fact that, like, I will die on the hill that Sean Marion was even more important to what Phoenix did than Steve Nash back in the day, right? Getting the most versatile defender of that generation, it wasn't Kevin Garnett for the price I got him. 
he was a little damaged as an asset at that point. Whatever they do, yeah, it's not going to be the slam dunk. Oh, we got it. We got it done. This is it. This is the this is the co all star. It's going to have to be a move or a couple moves of, all right, you're getting a guy who, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a scuffed penny. If you could polish him up, you could see how this works, but it's not going to be without risk. And whether or not you trust them to be that one, that front office that figures that out, that's a conversation for another time. But just adjust your expectations that there will be risk. This will not be a slam dunk. We just got the for sure guy. We're set. Titles are incoming. I mean, but what if you just trade three firsts and two swaps for Jalen Brunson? <laughs> He's a player that I could really imagine in a Mavericks uniform. Listen, I, mean, I don't know why people, that is, man. but I have it's a cold vivid as hell. image. Nobody could go outside without breaking a damn leg. You're going to do this to people right now? <laughs> I just Come have on. this like I have this vivid mental image of Jalen Brunson in a Mavericks uniform that. It almost feels realistic. It seems like he just could play right off of Luca and just like also just get his own shot. I don't know. It just seems seems like a guy they should be saving up those picks for. People can't even order some damn delivery pizza because the roads are so <laughs> shitty and you're doing this to people right now. This time, come on, man. You know, come on. This ice storm wouldn't have happened if Jalen Brunson was still in Dallas. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. On that note, um, we're gonna get out of here. Stay safe, stay safe, y'all. Don't go slipping on any ice. Don't be ordering delivery pizza unless like you had literally no other option. Like go go find that frozen pizza that tip you like forgot about in the freezer. Bucks. Come on, don't do yeah. that. But if yeah, you yeah, yeah. Tip, tip, like tip way, yeah. Tip a lot, a lot, a lot. So I found some frozen tamales in my fridge that I forgot about, and this is. Oh, dude, we have. Fro- I was literally thinking, what am I eating tomorrow? And I just realized we have frozen tamales. Tim, Look at that. I'm a great. helper. Yeah. On that note, uh, we're gonna get out of here. See y'all. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 